All right, so. Get that finger out of your nose. You don't know where it's been. That's true, Sam. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> no. Soft opener. That's what they called me in high school. Yeah, the soft opener. They called me the fluffer. <laughs> nutter. <laughs> nutter. <laughs> so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. Today we are going to be broadcasting from the Arnold Sports Festival with my good friends Mo Dingo and Sam Shaw. We're going to be covering the Baker's 7 and we're going to go over the Middle West Spirits Weeded Bourbon. So join in, kick back, have a pour, and enjoy. So this is an episode of the Bourbon Hunters. We are at the Arnold Sports Festival down at the Greater Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. This is more of an Arnold Sports-like hangout. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It it feels a lot more intimate than it has in the past. And why is that, Mo? Because of that damn coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yeah. So just a little uh, background into this week. We were heading into the week as planned. And then, uh, what was it, uh, Tuesday night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tuesday well, night, the governor decided to make an announcement. Well, m- maybe back it up uh, just a little bit more and, and tell your listeners what, what, what the Arnold exactly is. Sure. So the Arnold is a collection of sports activities, competitions, whatever, that has more sports represented than the actual Olympics. Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's held in Columbus, Ohio every year. They have been so successful that they branched it out to other um continents around the world there's an africa there's a australia australia europe yep. and in asia and uh, there's no antarctica yet no I don't know working, that on it. Yeah, working on it i don't know that they have the draw there i mean not yet but with the uh, whole global warming thing give it a couple years yeah, and sure. i'm sure that it'll be a nice uh, temperate climate it'll for probably it. be a nice resort area there right so leading into this week everything was you know go as normal and then tuesday out of the blue at least to most of us the governor of the state of Ohio canceled the festival. Yes. And then they said, well, we'll allow all the competitions, but no spectators. And then they said, well, spectators are fine. No expo center, which means none of the vendors, none of the, which is 90% of the activity here yeah. is, I think, the vendors, people yeah. coming down to get free stuff, yeah. or whatever. It's, it's probably safe to say that more people come here just to see the expo than the actual events that take place. I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, especially when you get to some of the satellite areas like the fairgrounds and some of the other sports that, like, uh, one of my colleagues has ping pong is being hosted out of his ping pong gym. Yeah. That, like, it, it's not there to draw a crowd. It's there to have the highest level competitors there to compete. Right. And so the, the crowd portion, yeah, it's all the expo center. It's the trade show. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, it was just a lot of stuff up in the air. Like our our gym, Endeavor Defense and Fitness, runs the CrossFit uh, competition here, and um, we were not really told much of anything. So just to play it safe, we decided we were going to change it to an online competition, and then just do a vendor village at our gym, 
Just to try and get ahead of it. Just to try yeah. to stay ahead of it. And then as soon as we make that decision, they change it and say, oh, yeah, sure, come on down. Well, and, and because for your particular portion of this whole thing, there's teams that come from Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, all over West Ohio. West Virginia, Michigan, yeah, Indiana. Indiana. Yep. So there's an investment. Youngstown. Yeah, when it comes to... Which is a whole other country. <laughs> 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 there's an investment, uh, a financial investment, you know, when it comes to taking time off of work, mm-hmm. travel sure. expenses. Yeah, so this, it starts on Friday. So, yeah. I mean, you have to take a day off of work if yeah. you work a regular job. Like some of us. <laughs> like some of us. I took off three days to help set up and to... You know, run well, it's because you're doing pool. It's that w- that's what you do. Right. Well, I have a large call on. I mean, you professionally take off work. <laughs> so let's let's do this. So <laughs> let's introduce ourselves. We haven't done that yet. I am Dude Pool. I am your normal host here. I have our sometimes guest two episodes now three uh, celebrity guest host Mo Dingo in the house. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Hello, folks. So he's been uh, part of two episodes up to this point. Tyler is not with us this week, so we are subbing in another guest host and his name is Samuel Shaw. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So we know that if you've listened to previous episodes, Mo Dingo is a DJ on the side. He's former military. He still does some consulting type work and stuff like that. Um, For for the government. For the government. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, he's behind the whole coronavirus thing to begin with. Obviously. And then Sam Shaw. What do you do, buddy? This is your first uh, time on the uh, on this podcast? Yeah. So I am professionally a software developer. I uh, work yeah. for a company called RoofSnap, where we can... Uh, pretty much the idea is if you need to get a roof redone, instead of climbing on top of it, you can measure your roof through an online app. So how does that relate to bourbon? Uh, it relates to bourbon because I am a software developer. <laughs> and if anything, we uh, live off of coffee and alcohol. And Mountain Dew. All right. No, so. we cut that out. It's oh, just no? coffee and alcohol. We, it, we mainline that shit. You heard it's bad for your cholesterol. <laughs> right. And I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. And that, like I cutting out the pop and just replacing it with more bourbon has been a happy medium. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> but, so, one, but one recurring theme that we have established throughout uh, the day's events is that it is scientifically proven yes. that the only known natural predator to the coronavirus is bourbon. That is correct. So it's funny you say that, and we've been talking about it all day, first time on this episode, but um, a lot of the boards that I follow have had a whole bunch of people saying, is it, it is true that coronavirus uh, can be killed by bourbon, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, that's kind of the joke for everyone to up their bourbon game. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just a little background into why we're all here together. So the three of us run the, po- or the uh, webcast for the event that we throw here. It's the CrossFit event at the uh, uh, Arnold Sports Festival. And so we have over 300 athletes come down and compete. We webcast it out for three straight days. Um, We use a uh, really good stream hosting technology called Kumu to do that. And then we uh, use a computer and some cameras. And every year we add a little bit more to it. We've got a nice mixing board this year. We've got four over-the-ear headphone-microphone combos. We've got... uh, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff that, that goes into this. All uh, the things. All the things. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're all here together. But we all share a love of bourbon. And that being said, Sam Shaw, one of the uh, guest hosts that just introduced himself, is friends with some of the people down at Middle West Spirits. He got them to do a sponsorship of our webcast. Yeah. And uh, give us a couple bottles of bourbon. So the first thing we're going to jump into today is Middle West Spirits. Uh, straight weeded bourbon whiskey. It's the Michelon Reserve. 
<laughs> and uh, they are out of Columbus, Ohio, so not your typical you know, Kentucky bourbon. But as you've listened lately, we've done a lot of breaks from the Kentucky bourbon. We've, been to, we've done some Las Vegas. We've done some Colorado. We've done some others. Um, so this is just going to stay with that trend, I guess. Uh, we did Traverse City, Michigan as well. Mm. So we've got Kentucky surrounded. Um, we're closing in. <laughs> so we're closing in on it. So uh, come, out, come out with your hands up. Their number is next. <laughs> so, uh, Sam, you have anything to add for yeah, the Middle West so Spirits? Yeah, so Middle West Spirits is, uh, like dude mentioned, a local distillery to Columbus, Ohio. They're a, a newer distillery by trade. They actually, uh, gosh, came out a dozen or so years ago. Uh, when they first started uh, doing their spirits. And I like what one of their uh, co-founders says. He is a uh, fifth-generation distiller, a first-generation legal distiller. <laughs> and so hey, That's the history of distilling in this yeah. country. Pretty much. And one of the, the cool things, like you can actually go to Middle West, Middle West and take a tour of their distillery. And uh, it's really fun to just kind of hear their history, and you actually get to do a lot of the tastings that go along with it. And I'm, we're trying to get an actual interview with one or if not multiple owners and do a tour as part of our podcast too coming up so yeah so stay tuned for that that's something that we're uh, in the throes of getting the logistics actually figured out with that so so uh, let, let's just talk about them real quick the spirits that they do I know they like as you mentioned they have a distillery they mm -hmm. also have a restaurant there on site correct um, but they do vodka they do whiskey they do gin um, and with that whiskey they actually do bourbon as uh, part of their whiskey as well uh, they have different things like uh, barrel-finished honey, vanilla, vodka, stone fruit vodka, uh, just, uh, you know, along with their regular vodka. Their stone fruit vodka is shockingly good. I am not shockingly. a vodka fan at all. <laughs> and uh, that's something that actually, uh, but by taking their tour, I've learned a lot about like the products that they offer and what makes them different or uh, how they came to be, really. Yeah. And uh, like one of the things, uh, I know this is the, the bourbon hunters, but one of the things that I found interesting about the vodka world is uh, there are a lot of legacy laws in place post-World War II about importation of vodkas. Hmm. And so a lot of your things like your Grey Gooses and things that are imported into the States have to meet certain purity standards. And when you have to meet certain purity standards, you lose a lot of the flavor. Sure. And so that's why you get a lot of the... Uh, but like the vodkas that are, oh, it's the perfect mixer. It's the something that you want to just add to. It's the lettuce of the alcohol world. <laughs> it doesn't change well, anything. It just adds alcohol. Just from and my standpoint, though, I mean, vodka in general, in my opinion, except for flavored vodkas, I don't think people want it to have a taste. Well, it depends on the, the your exposure to them. Like, I actually had a, a straight vodka that I enjoy because it has a lot of those for lack of a better word, imperfections that give it a flavor, that sure. give it a body. Okay. Yeah, give it some of that like earthy flavor, I guess you can kind of take. Yeah. That, yeah. When it, you can tell like when vodka has been, uh, I guess, uh, filtered with minerals. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it, it has a lot of that like more, you're tasting more of the process and less of the purification mm -hmm. of the sure. vodka. Gotcha. Now, along with the vodka, they do gin, they do uh, whiskey. Uh, so they have a straight weeded bourbon whiskey. They have a straight wheat whiskey. They have a straight rye whiskey, and then they have a white rye whiskey. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know what the white rye whiskey is. I'd have to look into that, but maybe it's just not been aged or something like that. Pretty but much. But it's mostly rye. Yep. yep. Um, now, I will yeah, say... Uh, uh, Buffalo Trace makes one like that. It's, a white, it's bourbon, but it's white. It's called White Mash. Yeah. That's just moonshine, basically. That's the pre-aged Before everything bourbon. gets gets, yeah. gets, mm -hmm. gets down. Yeah. So that's what they put. They have two different, I, I believe, they might have three different recipes. They have a weeded, and then they have two rye recipes, I think. So they, I think they have three. Okay. Um, but those are basically their uh, pre, 
aged, mm. the pre-treated. Yeah, it's whiskey before it's been put into a barrel, so it's not technically bourbon yet. Um, but it is, tip, I guess, kind of like moonshine. Yeah. So, One of um, the things that I love about Middle West is they uh, live and breathe Ohio. So they uh, try to actually source pretty much everything that they possibly can. Oh, that's cool. Uh, from, like, the state of Ohio, even to the point of, like, their honey-age stuff. The honey's from Ohio. Local honey, uh, They yeah. do a uh, maple bourbon syrup, yep. which is hmm. straight crack. It, they take Ohio, <laughs> it's maple <laughs> syrup, and they age, age yeah. it in a bourbon barrel. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, okay. It is. Hold on. It tastes more. That's become a thing in the industry lately. Yeah. Yeah, I can take some tomorrow. It tastes more like bourbon than it does maple syrup, yeah, and okay. it's kind of amazing. Yeah. People put it on their pancakes, and they just love oh, it. yeah. So um, love it. Let's. We've got the in hand. We've got the Middle West Spirit Straight Weeded Bourbon Whiskey. That's the Michelin Reserve. Um, now this has been given to us, but at the same time, I intend to give it a straight review. I don't care that they've given it to us. I don't want to mislead anyone. So uh, we have this in hand. I gave a little bit of a heavier pour to Mo because he has not had any yet. Thank you. He's got um, some catching up to do. He's got some <laughs> catching up to do. So you're joining us a few. Uh, pours in but as we do this i i generally like to start with you know a nose kind of get an, an idea what the uh what you're getting off of the uh the nose of the actual product and um i'm at a disadvantage here <laughs> yeah you're you're sn- smelling out of a water bottle yeah, i didn't know i was supposed to bring my own cup well I mean, usually when fair. you're a host a guest on a show like they kind of do things like that I for you but, but apparently since bourbon. i'm a, since i'm a veteran <laughs> i had to bring in i had to mule uh, this through my right. my prison wallet <laughs> well um you two had bottles to pass of bourbon. the uh, balloon yeah during the lunch today and now i got to drink this out of a bottle <laughs> and i don't even know who, who who drank out of this bottle but you I'm, know what i'm guessing brock Probably, but again, bourbon kills the coronavirus, so you're safe. Well, well, but not only that, you know, during my service in the military, I've probably been exposed to the coronavirus early on in my career, so I've probably developed an immunity to it. I would, I would, I would venture to say that's probably not factually accurate, but but it, I'm going with <laughs> but it. But highly probable, <laughs> but also deniable on behalf of the United States. That's government. true. Plausible <laughs> deniability. That's all we're looking for. So. On the nose, I mean, it is a weeded bourbon, so I'm not gonna, I'm not picking up the spice a lot of times that you normally would off no. of a regular, you know, rye-based bourbon. Um, but I am picking up again. I think you know some of those uh, barrel tendencies you're gonna get. I, I do get a little bit of a floral note, but nothing, nothing crazy. But I am picking up a little bit of like ver- uh, vanilla and caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna take a little taste of it though, just see what we get here. Yeah, on the front nose, like it's. I think the sweetness is really the the pungent part that it really starts yeah, out. It at. does have a sweetness. No, I can definitely tell this is a weeded bourbon, um, but I like that. I mean, it's to me, it's reminiscent of a Maker's or mm-hmm. a, you know a Wells yeah. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. But but it is good. I mean, uh, I know it's not a Kentucky bourbon, no. but I, I'm enjoying it. Um, have been for a decent amount of the afternoon today. <laughs> but it's since I, breakfast, right? No, I didn't start. No, that I've early. been since breakfast. Oh, okay. It was like uh, it was noon Europe time that mm. I didn't, so it wasn't breakfast. I mean, you <laughs> Central European this, time. Yeah, you know what they say? It's two thirty somewhere. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy this. I think it's I think it's pretty tasty. What do you think of it, uh, Mo? I'm Mo. Well, I, <laughs> I I did give you a head nod, which is not very uh, indicative. It doesn't help our listeners. Or it doesn't help the listeners. Yeah. No, it's so pretty Mo. solid. I, I, I do um, how you talked about that kind of. Uh, Maker's Markish mm-hmm. kind of uh, mm-hmm. finish yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah. So Good. we we yeah. have a new uh, we have a new 
way that we rate our it's a rating system inside of the uh, podcast now if you haven't been keeping up uh, basically the way that we do this is since we are the bourbon hunters we have a three-tier system and the first one is pass you know you just don't think it's any good you're, you'd pass mm-hmm. uh, the second go. one yeah. is shelf meaning if you saw it on the shelf you'd buy it and the third one is hunt Mm. So we are the bourbon hunters. So would you hunt for this bourbon? Mm. Uh, a lot, of, a lot can go into that. Uh, mm-hmm. Each person can, you know, tell us why or they or why not. Um, but to me, um, you know, price is going to go into that. Sure. Are okay. you going to wait two hours and pay a hundred dollars for a bourbon, um, or are you going to wait, you know, two hours and pay twenty dollars for a bourbon? You know, um, so a, a good example of that would be, to me, that. That's Blanton's. Blanton's is 50-some dollars. Sure. Mm-hmm. You might wait two hours for the Blanton's. Some people don't like Blanton's. I really enjoy it, and I would wait two hours because it's only 50-some dollars. Yeah. 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 If it's 70 or more, I probably wouldn't wait for it. Do, do you like it more because it's scarce, or do you like it because... I like it because I can truly taste the notes in it. It's. Yeah. I like it a lot. So, for me, I like it because I like it. Because I didn't know anything about it until I just happened to go into my local liquor store... Um, Manor Wine in uh, Beaver Creek, Ohio. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, we got this Blanton's in. We don't get it in very often, you know, so, you know, you should try it, blah, blah, blah. They use it for the Kentucky Derby and their mint juleps down there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take a bottle. Took it home. Me and my wife destroyed that shit in about <laughs> maybe two weeks. Yeah. So I go back and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, can I get another ball of that Blanton's? And the guy looked at me like... <laughs> Podcast translation, two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> two hours, yeah. And the guy looked at me he was like, oh, man, we, we get that in like maybe couple times a year and i was right. like what do you mean <laughs> i was like you just sold me a bottle last drug, week he's like well, drug you d- pusher he's like you just happened to get here the right day and i was right. like you got to be <laughs> i would have like not yeah, drank I, it I, all I, in yeah. two weeks then i would have Isn't not that destroyed that feeling? bottle oh, and i was yeah. like so i think and that was maybe two years ago and we're just barely on our third bottle yeah <laughs> yeah i've got four bottles total i've killed one i've got two and a half left uh-huh and uh, I've had to truly hunt for them. Mm-hmm. I didn't happen upon any of mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I had a friend of mine find one, and the other three I had to truly, truly hunt for. One I waited two and a half hours in line for. Mm. Um, I do like Blanton's. It's not the scarcity. I could give two rats whatever is about the scarcity. I, I just think it's a good bourbon, and it's, a, and it's not unreasonably priced. That's fair. When you can, just when you can find yeah, it. Yeah, it's the scarcity that goes along with it. Yeah. Now, Blanton's gold. They just announced it's only been available outside of the U.S. Hmm. They is just that the announced, Japanese one? Or? Um, it's just a non-U.S., okay. I think. Um, so they just announced, because you can generally get it at uh, Duty Freeze in like, the Caribbean and stuff like that. And, uh, really? I've never seen it. Yeah. Hmm. You have to look for it. Huh. Like, l- you have to legitimately look. Okay. Um, but anywho, they, they just announced that the, that the um, Blanton's Gold will be available starting this summer. Once a year, they're going to do a release. Mm-hmm. Interesting. In the United States. So that's kind of cool. Now, they also have other blends uh, straight from the barrel, which is SFTB. I think they have a black. They have a... Green, there's a green label a green as well. label, but I don't know what that one is. I, I think... It, it might from, just... From my understanding, it's the same stuff, just released. Like, I think the black is in Japan, and the green I, is in I Europe. I think black is in Japan. There's a straight from the barrel, which means it's not filtered. Yeah. So you, from what I understand, it's, well, it's not chunky, but you might have particulates in it. You might have um, some other stuff. Some other people are starting to do that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Smoke Wagon Bourbon just released an uncut, unfiltered. So it's barrel strength and it's uh, unfiltered, uh-huh. which I just had some, and it, oh my gosh, it was so good. Mm. 
So, I'm for this for me. I would say this is a shelf. Yeah. I, I would definitely drink this. I would enjoy it every time I drink it. Uh, what's the MSRP on this normally? Oh uh, gosh, I'd have I should have had that on top of my head. It's a fifty four ninety nine. Don't quote me on that, but like that's that's fifties ish. Yeah. I mean, how how if, old is it? Oh, uh, this one. Uh, so I will say, while he's thinking of that, if I saw this and Bland sitting on the shelf next to each other, I would buy the Blands every sure, time for sure. that price. Agreed. However, um, a scarcity and availability can make a big difference here. Does, so, does it say yeah. the age on there, dude? Uh, That's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. So um, the uh, I, I think this for me four be, years, four minimum, years minimum, minimum. four years. Uh, I, my, my biggest wow for four years. It's not that it's not that snappy, you know. No, it's it's, it's a they did a good job of avoiding the young bourbon taste. Yeah. So and, sure. To uh, me, four years is is a great time. That's that peak where it's it's at four years. It's not going to be too young. At four years, you'll know if you have a really decent. good bourbon. Yeah. Or if it's just going to be. Eh. Yeah. And this is good. Yeah. This For is, me, this, this is, is like this is my go-to bourbon to have on hand at home. It's not a special occasion. This is just an end of the night. I want a glass of bourbon. I don't worry about saving it for something special. Is yeah. this a daily or just like? Uh, not quite I, a daily driver, but a handful of times a week. Okay. Uh, it, it's a solid go-to for me of okay. just a, on a particularly good day or a particularly bad day, I might break out the four roses or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's just a, you know what? I'm unwinding, want a glass. This is my go-to. Okay. Largely because the scarcity factor isn't an issue with it. Yeah. So it's something that I don't mind going through. Okay. Yeah. I, I I would agree with that. I'll, I'll definitely give it a, a shelf for sure. Yeah, I think I think we're in agreement. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean, not no, at all. No. Uh, shelf could be something really good. Shelf could be something really bad. Well, and, and mainly I, I would say shelf because would be, it's available. Yeah. 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 But if, if something's shelf and it's in the 50s, that that's, means it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you have a shelf that's $15, that doesn't mean it's as good as a shelf that's $50. Correct. Right. So, right. Yeah, for me, this one is worth having on hand. Correct. Yes. I agree. So... All right, so that is the Middle West Spirits. I would like to add one thing yeah. about Middle West that is my favorite malicious compliance story I have ever heard. Uh, a few years ago when they were opening up their attached restaurant called the Service Bar, uh, at the time there hey, was a while law. You're telling the story, is this sure. going to take away from if we go on site and interview them? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just don't want to, you know. Tell tell some take rat, all the talking rat, points steal down. their story. Steal their story. Yeah. No, it's, it's my favorite one. That like they. No, I don't want like if we go on site and let them tell a story. I don't want it to be a story. They're like oh well, Sam told us that. Oh well, yeah, great. Eh, they might tell you. I don't care. That's all right. Go ahead then. Um, no, they uh, when they were first opening up their attached restaurant, uh, there was a law in place in Ohio that a restaurant could be attached to a brewery. It could be attached to a winery. It could not be attached to a distillery. But can I just. Uh, interrupt you for a second, but sure. can I say that Ohio has some of the dumbest <laughs> alcohol laws? They that do. is a hundred percent. I would agree and I, with that. And I know. Um, I know. Friend of the show, Brandon Martell. Yeah. Uh, and, and, Ran- and Randy Nelson will both uh, attest to that. But <laughs> Randy, I'm sorry. How many mugs? No, does Randy have? Two mugs. Oh, two mugs. Should have three, but two mugs. Yes. Sorry, yeah, sir. No, you're you're, you you're, you're good. You're good. Uh, so to get around this, they looked up, and the legal description of a winery was you had to have four or more barrels aging on your premise. So they bought four barrels of wine and shoved them in a closet and said, we're a winery now. We're opening a restaurant. Yeah. That's awesome. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. <laughs> we, we just outed them, though, so that's great. <laughs> so, so finish up your They've bourbon. changed that law, so we're good. Oh, have they? Yep. 
And Mo, if you have too much bourbon in your bottle, you might want to get another water bottle and clear it out. Or we can say it sucks to suck, drink it. Nope, I'm just going to man up. I'm going to do this. So the next thing that we're going to get into is Baker's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's a seven, so it's Baker's seven, basically. It's a single barrel, 107 proof. And uh, these are basically a seven-year minimum. This one specifically, and this is what I like about them, is on the neck they put a label that tells you how old it was from that barrel. So this barrel... Age Did was they change their bottle? I, I feel like it used to look different. They have multiple bottles, I think. Okay. But the uh, so this one's eight years, three months old. It was barreled in uh, October of 2011. So uh, this is one that I found at Giant Eagle. And um, Los Eagle Gigantica. I would do that first. Going from weeded to rye. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. The mash bill on this one is uh, 77% corn, which is pretty high. Uh, 13% rye and 10% malted barley. Now, um, the proof is 107. And this one is, like I said, it's aged uh, eight years, three months. This is a Beam Suntory, so it's distilled at Jim Beam. Okay. Uh, straight bourbon. The regular Baker's bottle, that's probably what you're thinking of, is a little bit different than this one. Okay. Um, but as we're sitting here drinking what we just drank and getting settled in for that next pour, um, let's talk about the Arnold a little bit. Let's talk about what we saw today. I mean, we granted, saw some fitness. We saw some fitness. We saw some really cool fitness. And I think this is one of those things that a lot of people that come through the Arnold and don't know what to expect from CrossFit walk in here and they're like blown away. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, there's a stigma to CrossFit. And you've talked about this probably on your One More Rep podcast a few mm-hmm. times. But basically, one of the things that um, uh, really hurts the industry is you think of it as an injury-prone type of sport, and it's a little misleading. Agreed. Um, and, you know, some of that's based on the coaching. Some of that's based on, you know, items that, uh, you know, are outside of the control of CrossFit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you think about things like rhabdo and stuff. Marathoners get rhabdo. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as publicized as the people that get it doing CrossFit. I mean, when I worked for Ohio State, that's something that a lot of the athletes had to be very aware of there as well. And well, I mean, even at Ohio State, I think it was their... Uh, <laughs> they were the ones that... Uh, that white paper? Is that what you were about to talk about? Well, wasn't their rowing team... The, didn't they all come down with rhabdo after they came back and, oh. and their uh, team made them do some crazy workout and they, it was their first workout back? And I don't think it was the rowing... Or I don't think it was them that had an entire team that got impacted by that, but I know that that was something that uh, is a frequent enough conversation that every athlete knew about it and knew yeah. what to look out for. Sure. Like, it's on any type of... Does your pee look like Coca-Cola? Right. Like, on any type of... Uh, High-intensity focused athletic performance, regardless of CrossFit or whatever sport you're going to, there are going to be things that everyone is going to be very familiar with and want to look for to just help each other out. And CrossFit is one that gets a bad rap because, if anything, I think it's the lack of knowledge of what to look out for to know the early warning signs. Yeah, for sure. Now, if you're hearing some noises in the background, we have the rain and rogue uh, strongman competition happening next to us and basically what they're doing right now is the Conan 
uh, slave. Uh, oh, the Wheel of Pain. Wheel, Wheel of Pain. Pain. Yep, that was in the movie Conan the Barbarian. That is a Rogue remade that for the Strongman. It's the second year, year I think yep. that yep. they're using it. So it's about I think four thousand ish pounds well, on add five barrels. Too, right? The weight in the barrels is sand. Okay. So once you move it, all of that momentum shifts and just kicks right back into it, and it's just a nightmare and a half. And um. For those of you that have not seen the, or that do remember the original Conan film, uh, the people that recreated this did an amazing job oh, yeah. of, of recreating uh, the Wheel of Pain. As we're taking a picture with our friend, our good friend, Aaron Gennetti. <laughs> He's right now talking to three people wearing headphones. Yes. Yeah. Gee, I wonder how that's going to go. All right. So, uh, <laughs> but the Wheel of Pain, no, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of art. It I mean, really is. Yeah. It really is. Hey, we got an extra headset. Get him a headset set up real quick. Oh, you got to bounce? All right. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry, no headset. Get a water bottle uh, and accordion it out. Or just drink it from the bottle. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We haven't had it yet, so you're getting the first taste. A virgin sip. Ooh, we got an ooh out of that one. So that's <laughs> that's at least a shelf from him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so our, our rating system on the Bourbon Hunters is pass, shelf, or hunt. If it's on the shelf, you buy it. Shelf, yeah, okay. So it's $60. So uh, $60 on the shelf, uh, give or take a couple bucks, tax and all that stuff. Sure. Um, but I definitely, uh, I haven't had it yet. We're going to get into it in just a second. <laughs> it all comes out in the end, as my mom would always say. Hey-o. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we saw some really good, I think, athletes today, which was really fun, mm -hmm. uh, especially considering some of these athletes thought they weren't even going to get to compete this week. So yeah. I think that was a huge component. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So, uh, so, you know, a lot of these athletes, and to some of them it's just another competition, but to some of these athletes, this is a culmination of training for or a goal that they've had for six months to a year where they're trying to actually you know change their diet change their training change their performance so that they come here and and, and do something it. they've never done before yeah, yeah it's it, the what makes, prs or whatever or a new movement they've never done before what makes the uh the whole announcement about well frankly the the unknown phase of whether or not these events were actually going on like what makes that as infuriating as it is is this is a month's buildup to peak on this weekend on this day mm -hmm. it's not something that can easily be oh just come back next week and do it and still expect the same performance right yeah. at one point they were talking about possibly postponing the arnold and i'm like you know that's throwing off people's training cycles that's throwing off other you know, qualifying competitions that right. occur here. Or life events. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and people plan travel for this. I mean, they, they were coming from international locations to be here. They were coming from, for our competition specifically, from other states to be here. So you have Airbnbs, you have hotels, you have, you know, taking off work, like you said, Mo, yeah. you know, a Friday, you have to take off a Friday uh, because it's a three-day competition. Yeah. So, I mean... The, the, the fact that they just on Tuesday had announced they weren't doing the uh, the event was just kind of a big shockwave around the area. Uh, and if you're listening from other locations, you may not have heard, you may not care, but for the people that are coming here and planning, you know, vendors that got canceled, yeah. plan their whole year around this. Oh, I mean, yeah. there, there are companies that have gone bankrupt from yeah, this. Yeah, I would not be surprised if a company doesn't go bankrupt from this. 
Ooh, I didn't if, even if think not about multiple that. Ones. Yeah. Because they put so much money and stock into selling stuff here, buying stuff ahead of time, having oh, yeah. it on stock. This is like their stock. Black Friday. Huh? Right. Yeah. So we, uh, our, our company was at a couple trade shows in the last month. We were in uh, Phoenix a little bit ago and then in uh, Dallas before that. And just the cost for even a, a 10 by 10 booth at a trade show is ridiculous. 20,000. Oh, and nuts. like, if you want carpet, it's more. If you want internet, <laughs> it's more. Yeah. Like the amount of just stuff that they nickel and dime you, it is at least five figures to get in the door. Oh, uh-huh. for sure. And then like, uh, the, the part that always blew me away is the, the little things like if you had to, you could physically not carry anything into the convention center that required a dolly. Then that became a union job, and you mm-hmm. had to like pay hundreds oh. of dollars to get yeah. somebody to it's walk. It's I mean, to that point, we we're, we normally have fencing here that goes around our perimeter of this event. They wouldn't deliver it. I think they were afraid they weren't going to get paid, so they didn't deliver the fencing. We had to go. Uh, how did you procure procure in, an informal field requisition? Informal field requisition <laughs> for the what they call bike rack or you know fencing around our perimeter, and we don't have a full perimeter, and people are just walking through our our section. Yeah, to, to which. Uh, we Arnold, have expensive equipment in here. Arnold walked through oh with gosh. his entourage of about forty <laughs> people in the middle of a workout, and blocking people's you know path in the yeah, workout. And, and now, mind you, there's athletes running north and, north and south thing. through this. And it's not just Arnold though; it's Arnold and his, his fifty posse. handlers, yeah. right? Right. You know, there was honestly a a trail that just looky lose of people that just follow behind him. Yeah. yeah. Whether yep. or not, you know, they are even actually really attached to him, they are just following him. So wherever he went is where they went, and he's in the middle of the workout. Right. Like, if you've ever watched CrossFit, you might – it's not a static thing. You're not standing in one place like Strongman or something like that where you're just on a stage lifting one item. You might be lifting something ten times, then moving over and jump roping, then moving over yeah. to a rig and doing pull-ups or toe bars or something like that. Gymnastic movement. But you have to be mobile, and he was blocking their, their he, path. Yeah, and, and you could see, like, the vein on Aaron's forehead just start to erupt. <laughs> and and I'm, we're probably a good 40, 50 feet away, and I could see it from here. And yeah, that yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Not, so, not, not funny at the time, but funny back on it now that no one uh, was injured or right. and nothing was obscured. But So do, speaking of – oh, sorry. Go ahead, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, so speaking of bourbon – <laughs> well, before we speak of bourbon, we're going to use this moment real quick for a quick break to our sponsor, Unicorn Nation Apparel. Shout out. And when we come back, we're going to jump into this Baker's and then uh, we'll uh, wrap it up for the day. But uh, this is a little message from our sponsor, Unicorn Nation Apparel. They are magical apparel for magical people. And we'll be right back after these messages. We have come to a nice point in the episode to take a quick break and mention our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Unicorn Nation Apparel, magical apparel for magical people. Check them out at www.unicornnationapparel.com. They make a lot of custom shirts for small groups, parties, teams, or whoever needs shirts. They can do screen printing and vinyl pressing for athletic wear or outerwear. Check them out today. You should say magical motherfuckers for magical motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the soft <laughs> opening right there. 
it always ma- comes oh, from the magical shit account. from magical motherfuckers. So, so Mo, oh, I, I, like I had told dude earlier, uh, the title of this episode really needs to be the Bur- uh, Bourbonic Plague. Oh shit! Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'll put it on the podcast. The yeah. Bur- Bourbonic Plague. And it's funny because I've actually been saying that to people when everyone was talking about the coronavirus, and then they said, <laughs> "What's next?" They're naming it after a beer. What's next? And then I told people on some of those boards, "I, I the, bourbonic the bourbonic plague." plague. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's get into this. This is the <clears throat> Baker's. You got to do the welcome back. Uh, welcome back, welcome back. I am such an amateur. Yeah. We, we don't have to clap every yeah. time. Yeah, because you got to see it on the line. <laughs> it makes it easier to edit. Trust me. Listen, I just... I've been, I, I've I been do doing this for like nine months, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I heard was an excuse to clap randomly into a the microphone way I edit, and I'm I just, in. I just select all. I, I split at the head. Select, select all. all and then move them all at the same time. <laughs> so it's fine. Don't worry. It's amateur hour in the... It's good. In the it's editing. all good. So we do have Baker's. It is a Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, as I mentioned before, the mash bill is 77% corn, 13% rye, 10% malted barley. It's aged a minimum of seven years. This specific barrel is eight years, three months. So we're getting closer to, you know, eight and a half years in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Baker 7 brand, and, and a lot of times how they do this is they, they mark something, they call it Baker 7, and it might be ready and mature enough based on where it is in the rickhouse at seven years. Yeah. Um, this one, I'm assuming, probably wasn't until eight years, three months. They probably went in and checked it and not said, oh, you know what? This one's good. Let's, uh, let's bottle it up. So um, let's get into this one. What do, you guys, what do you guys think of this so far? Have you uh, given it a smell yet? I have not, but initial reaction, it is a very smooth introduction to that. I'm not really getting as much off the nose as I would in a normal Glencairn. I'm using a uh, Yeti uh, because we're at a, at a convention center. But it's better than a Kirtland purified water bottle. Sure. I mean, <laughs> my bourbon has been re- reminiscent of Einstein Brothers cold brew all day. It does smell familiar, like a sweetness. It I, does. I can't pinpoint. It's, it's almost like a caramel or maybe a vanilla. I, I I'm getting vanilla. more floral than I am like a, a sugary caramel. Am, there is some floral undertones to it, but I, I feel like I'm getting a vanilla in it, too. I could see that. Uh, yeah, I'm getting the caramel, some the pepper-ish. Oh, you know, a little spicy. Definitely the on the back end of the taste. A lot of the, the pepper comes through. You get you know, a good kick yeah, after it's that. It's got a good finish or a Kentucky hug, as they call it. Yeah. I like it because it starts off very, very smooth, which it makes does. the finish that much more pungent because you're seeing the yeah. just discrepancy between the two. Well, on the front of the tongue, I feel like it's it's really smooth. As it gets to the back of the tongue, I feel like that sweet, and I don't even know what sections of the tongue do what yet, but I feel like I feel I taste the, the uh, sweetness on the back of the tongue, if that's even possible. And then, as like you said, as it goes down the finish, I feel like it's... Uh, I feel like it's a really nice finish. It's not like an overpowering finish for 107 proof. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, and just to put it in perspective, Antique 107, you know, Weller's is a 107 proof, uh, but that's also a weeded bourbon mm-hmm. as opposed to this one being a rye bourbon. But this one's 70, what did I say, 77% corn? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's actually a pretty high corn mash bill, um, but this is good. It's good. I like this a lot. A little, yeah, a little warm, but... Uh, what was the price you said design. on this one? Yeah. This was 50-something, and it was 60-something after tax. Okay. And that's Ohio, you know, MSRP prices, as as we've talked about before. Ohio sure, sure. is state minimums, and, and they're not a secondary market, so you pay the minimums. What's the scarcity of it? I don't see it very often. Okay. However, 
the Giant Eagle I bought it in is the Giant Eagle on Britain Parkway, which didn't used to have a liquor store until like two weeks ago. Okay. Oh, wow. That's pretty recent. Yeah. So I just went in to see what they had, and they actually had to sit on the shelf. I haven't seen this in, in Hilliard anywhere. I'm not saying it's not in Columbus or something. I could look it up on OHLQ real quick. But as of right now, I've, I've never seen this Baker 7. Sure. Sure. So that being said, I can I can do a real quick look into Ohio and, uh, and see what they have. Um, but... So let's let's while I'm doing that though let's talk a little bit more about um, you know just in general the uh, you know the the Arnold what is your favorite part about the Arnold here Mo? Um, this is only my third year. Um, I guess we can kind of put an asterisk by that because this is definitely uh, a very unique experience. Sure. But um, for me, uh, as I was talking to Mike Bledsoe earlier. Um, from Strong Coach, uh, who was on our webcast, uh, I, I like have the opportunity to catch up with old friends because mm. because this is has such a large swath across the fitness industry, uh, you know, across multiple domains. It's cool to get to see people I haven't seen in a while, um, you know, through relationships I've had with vendors mm. or athletes or just people like I see on social media that we might have friends of friends and they're like, hey, I'm going to be at the Arnold. Um, like uh, the guys from uh, Barbell Jerks out of San Antonio, Texas. Like I'd li- been listening to their podcast, and one of the um, Ralph, the uh, the director of that show, his wife was lifting here two years ago. Really? And I was like, Oh, hey, dude, I'm going to be there. Let's meet up. And you know, we uh, sat down for a little bit while his wife was in. You know, uh, is he was uh, coaching a couple athletes, so he was in between sessions. And he came over and sat down, and we chatted for a while. So, you know, just cool opportunities like that to meet people that I wouldn't have otherwise met yeah. had I not been here. So just a quick interruption. Baker's single barrel is what it says in here. 750 milliliters. There's 209 bottles in the entire state. Gotcha. Whoa. So it's not a ton. Yeah. It's yeah. not. And that's if that's even. I, everywhere else I've seen it called Baker 7. So uh, Baker 7 years, what it'll say. So this is actually the fact that it says single barrel. I'm not even 100% sure that this is the same thing. Now, if that's. It's got to be, though, because there's no other bakers listed in OHLQ. And if oh. it's not listed, then it's not available. Sure. So that's surprising to me that it's it's that unreadily available. Sure. So I may have just kind of lucked into an Ohio, you know, uh, uh, bourbon here that's not normally around. Fair I enough. mean, in the entire state to have, and there were like four bottles in my Giant Eagle. So actually there were six. And two of them were seven-month-olds or seven-year-olds and the... Uh, and I dug back into the back and saw an eight-year, three-month, and yeah. I grabbed that one instead. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think there were like six in my Giant Eagle now that I think about it. And that being said, I mean, you know, what's what's 250 divided by six or 209 divided by six? I mean, that's 30-some stores possibly if, if, each team, if each store has a case. Yeah. 30-some stores in, uh, in Ohio. Not bad. That's... It's good finds. Yeah, it's pretty. I'd say that's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not one that you should go expecting to see. No. Okay, that's that's a good assessment. Yeah, and that's that's pretty tasty. I like it. I don't know what you guys think, but I'm I'm pretty happy with it. it I, I'm not big on this super peppery. That's kind of where like, for me personally, this one I can appreciate the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a pass for me just because I'm not a fan of the pepperiness. So you guys uh, are probably more a fan of the weeded bourbons then. Yeah. So like the Maker's Mark, the Wellers, and the stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
um, those have a little bit less of the peppery kind of feel and uh, taste to them. Sure, and it's definitely, it's not a knock against Baker's. No, no not at all. Objectively, a very, way. very yeah. good bourbon. It's just not my personal palate. And that's fine. Um, and that's and that's what you'll find. That's it, why bourbon is so amazing, is you'll have, there's so many different types of bourbons out there. Uh, a couple of percentage point changes in the mash bill. Yeah. Couple of, of couple of years of change in the barrel, you know, length or something like that. Um, and the, the proofing yeah. is a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, so you might be getting the rye and the proof all in one where you're getting that spiciness on the back end. Um, you know, those things are all going to affect how that, how smooth that tastes to you guys. So, sure. but, um, but with all that being said, this is, I, I would shelf, I would definitely put it on my shelf. Yeah. This is a shelf for me. And then, um, I would probably call it, uh, you know, an upper end shelf for me. I, I would, if I saw this on a shelf, I'd probably snag it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to go hunt for it if I heard that it no. was across town, but I would definitely, if I'm perusing the aisles and I see it there, because I know now that it's not very plentiful, mm-hmm. I would probably just grab it every time I see yeah, it. I feel like the, I would agree with it. I, I might actually change that to a shelf, but not for me, just knowing full well that for people that like that peppery end, this is objectively a very good bourbon. So it's not one that I would actively dip into. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be one that uh, it would get use on the shelf, but more social occasions than something yeah, I would go to. And that's why I was gonna, you know, I, it, w- it would be a shelf for me, but it would be on my shelf for a while because um, I, I probably wouldn't uh, put, do too much damage on this too quickly. So I just got Same. a text from my son off of the Bourbon Hunters uh, website or uh, Instagram, where I'm actually setting up here at the Arnold, and yeah. he, he goes, "Your forehead's got a couple extra layers there." I'm like, "Really?" Dick. <laughs> it's like my fifteen-year-old son like pointing five, out how wrinkly my forehead is. Is it a five-head? I mean, it, that's like there's probably ten lines, and it's because I raised up my eyebrows. As soon as I do that, my forehead oh, just yeah. wrinkles up like crazy. It's just ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> it is. Hey, <laughs> yay! <laughs> so Austin just canceled South by Southwest. Just so you know, that's that's the coronavirus fear. Well, no, and uh, Ultra in Miami got canceled. Uh, I heard that one a couple yeah. days ago, and now Ultra is. Right up there with the Arnold size in terms of music festivals in the United States. Um, I think only uh, EDC in Vegas comes comes yep. kind of close. South by Southwest is definitely massive. Um, I just, it, it, it blows me away. The, it, they, the WHO came out, the World Health Organization came out sure. and said that the who? coronavirus. <laughs> who? World who? Health Organization. Came out and said that the coronavirus is harder to contract than the flu. And the mortality rate is just slightly higher than the flu. Mm-hmm. So, like, the flu is like 1.4% or something like that, and this is 3%. Sure, but the one thing that I would, uh, even if it's not a mortality rate, the economic impact of people having to stop working or disappear for a couple weeks at, the time, at a time is, or can escalate, I should say, into a non-trivial factor. So I can understand that, like more time, like if your gauge of whether or not something is good is just whether or not it kills, kills you. people. There's <laughs> that's not there, there's yeah. plenty of room for other shitty circumstances but, around that. But Are we allowed what? to cuss on. on here? I should ask I, that. I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you dickhead! You're not allowed to cuss, you asshole. You asshat. So, but here's my thinking behind it: We are so concerned about germs and things nowadays that we have pussified our country and our world. You need to, for a couple of reasons, and I know this is cold. This is super cold on the surface, but for real, 
you need to come into contact with germs. You need to build yeah. up your immunities. You need to come into contact with these things. Now, am I saying don't wash your hands, you know, wipe your ass and put it in your mouth? No, I'm not saying that. But thank, at the thank same you time, for that colorful description. Right, dude. yes. Well, I, I just remember seeing on Instagram the other day someone posting someone standing at a bus stop, sticking his hands down his pants, backside, and then coming up and, and putting it into his mouth. To each their own. I mean... To each their own, and his immune system is probably off the chart. <laughs> but my point is is that like the, the amount that we're using Purell and antibacterial this and antibacterial that, it blows me away and it, and it concerns me because I think it's just making people weaker from an immune system perspective. See, but, I don't know that I would say making people weaker as much as the evolutionary tract of viral and bacterial infections getting stronger, is getting sure. stronger. I don't doubt that, but part of that's also from using so many antibacterial yeah, No, that, that, that I agree with. Now, bacteria, antibacterial and virus, they're not the same thing, right? Supposedly, right? right? So, so that shouldn't make a difference in viruses. But at the same time, you know, I have read some things and I don't know how, I can't quote them, I can't reference them or anything like that, but that makes me think that as a kid, you should be eating some dirt. You should mm-hmm. be, you know, getting dirty and not washing your hands every time you touch something dirty because that helps your body get stronger as you're developing. Now, does that help you as an adult? Probably not. Sure. But as a kid, as you're growing and all those things, you have all those helicopter parents that just hover over their kids, and every time they touch anything, they clean them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember eating the popsicle that I found attached to the muffler in the middle of the winter growing up. Yeah. And you survived. And look at you now. These are very loose assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But my point is is that I don't think there needs to be a culling of the herd or anything like that where, you know. A quickening, perhaps. Yeah, a quickening. <laughs> Highlander. There, the Highland Games are right next to us. So that's yes, good. they are. Yep. Um, Represent. But my point is, is that you know, yes, are we overpopulated? Is this stuff bound to happen from time to time? Sure. But are there things that we can do potentially to help strengthen ourselves and, and prepare our bodies more for it? And if you look at who it's affecting more than anything, it's the elderly, it's the weak, you know, com- compromised yeah, immune immunocompre- systems. Yeah, immunos- and immunocompromised. Then, and then amino or immuno? Immuno. <laughs> They might be. They might have a compromise. Uh, yeah, they might have some amino, amino acid too. issues too. Um, but at the same time, you know, and also, you know, very, very young. And I get it. It's a herd mentality thing too, because you've got right. You've got healthy people walking around that potentially could be, Vectors. you know, carriers of it. Yeah. Handing it off to people who can't protect themselves because they're older, because they're immune suppressed, or because they're, you know, just young. No, that's absolutely true. And that's something that there's, I think one of the things that I wish beyond all reason I had heard in any of the political talkings, or actually there was one, uh, it was a manager of a sports team that I remember seeing in Reddit. And somebody asked him, like, oh, like, are you concerned about the coronavirus? And he was like, why are you asking me? I am wearing a baseball cap and I am a manager of a sports team. There are people who have PhDs in understanding the science and exactly what's going on here. But not only that, a sports coach is surrounded by athletes who are probably right. going to have higher immune systems because of their athletic ability and their training and all those things that they do. And that's really, I would just wish some of the answers were, I don't know, but let's find people who do know. <laughs> I can make up bullshit all day long yeah. and it'll sound Listen, perfectly okay. I went to the same school of BS as you did. Yeah. Bourbon shots, right? Yes. 
bourbon shots. That but is fair. I think the one thing that I that that makes me that makes the Arnold so drastically different this year with the lack of spectators really from that that whole fear and that whole decision making process is the Arnold was such a time to celebrate like people's passions at their max. Mm. Like we've got 88 I think ish sports that are represented here everything from Rubik's cube to chess to ping pong to strongman to Highland Games, fencing. to CrossFit, to fencing. Yeah. Uh, I was at one point talking to my Sifu about competing Kung Fu here. Mm-hmm. And every person that is here competing is so passionate and so about good their thing. at what they do. Yeah. And it's a chance for people to really be exposed to I'm new passionate hobbies. about my thing, and I like to be exposed. On a yeah. related note, we're drinking bourbon in the middle of the arm. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. But no, that's that's just such a... I, I think that is the the one of the tragedies that I feel most disheartened about with this mm. is the there's such a, a good opportunity to share new passions to new people that would not otherwise have been exposed exactly and yeah. that that's that is a you see someone's brother who comes support them for a bodybuilding competition and walks past the Highland game yeah. and say well it, this is cool it, I want to try that and it's funny on that note because uh, I think in years past, just sort of walking around, like when I had a break from here, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was last year, they were doing uh, Highland Game stuff, the Cabra Toss. And I just yep. like, I'd never had an opportunity to see that before. I was like, let me check this out. And interestingly enough, like the group I was watching, I guess, was maybe like the the, the, the B group or something. Mm-hmm. And they were struggling. And it just made me appreciate that much more how much more skilled those guys are oh, you yeah. see on television oh, yeah. that are that are chucking that thing over on the first try and I'm like wow now I will not say that I ever thought it was easy sure sure but, I, I will know. say with the caber toss and kind of the Highland games in general so I've been doing that for three going on four years now and uh, when it comes to the Arnold this is the only time that we've done an indoor Highland games event mm-hmm. and so a lot of these guys are so ridiculously talented and so good at throwing things very high or very far uh, that the they were hitting the rafters in the Oof. first years. Are you serious? I'm wow. dead serious. That's crazy. And so the uh, issue with that became when we're inside, the only other option is to just make things heavier. <laughs> and so a lot of the stuff, the, a lot of the weights that you're seeing these guys like struggle with yeah. here are like, uh, my, my, the, the good example is the sheaf toss. It's a pitchfork and you've got a 16-pound burlap sack of rope. And, That's you and just I love chuck that it up event. as high as you can. Yeah. Like try to make and a field goal with it, right? Pretty much. And that, uh, that was the event that they were going over the rafters. They started using the rafters as their benchmark for people throwing that up. And so the next year that they came back, this uh, they moved it up to a 20-pound sheaf. Uh-huh. People were still hitting the rafters. This year they've got a 28-pound sheaf. Sheaf, and no one's hit the rafters yet so okay, far. Good for them. So, but it's like th- this is a solid twelve pounds heavier but, but than the sixteen pound bag that people are But in are a couple with. years, we'll be having this conversation again. Exactly, and it's it's very interesting to see like the they had specialty indoor built cabers, indoor built throwing implements, and things like that to make this event happen. And, and even with that, like I didn't know that there was an accuracy component mm-hmm. involved with that too. There was like mm-hmm. a certain yeah, because you have to get it between. It's yep. almost like a field goal. You have yeah. to get it between the things yep. and over the over well, the, no, the, the no with the caber, that big log. Oh, yeah, the old, yeah, yeah. with that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like you, there's still like a boundary, and I was like, "Damn, they gotta flip that thing upside down and keep so it within the lines." The way that the caber is scored is uh, where you are standing, you flip it end over end, and uh, if it goes end over end and actually turns all the way around, it's scored based off of a clock. 
where if the caber is pointed straight ahead, okay. it's 12 o'clock. If it's angled out a little bit to the so left, it's 11. So it's precision and accuracy. It's precision and accuracy. Wow. If it doesn't go all the way over, it's uh, scored off of the angled degree that it makes with the ground. Okay. So you can get like a 75 degree score on your caber, which will never be as good as the caber flipping all the way over. Okay. Uh, this year, however, because people got so good at caber again, even with the indoor ones, they were doing caber for distance, where you have to flip it end over end. Accuracy still counts, but how far, far can you goes, get the thing? Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't sound like a good idea, unless you're... In, in, indoors, especially. Yeah. I mean, sure. Highland Games is also, I don't think I've done maybe my first one that I didn't start drinking halfway through. <laughs> It's that kind of party. It's huh? that kind of party. I mean, there's <laughs> finesse and there's brute strength. Alcohol just tries to take some of that finesse and move it over to the brute strength okay. category. <laughs> no, it's a ton of fun. If you ever want to like hang out sometime and throw some shit, we can get you hooked <laughs> up with that. It's old school, three-year-old fun. It's yeah. just go out into a field and say, like, hey, this is heavy. Let's see how far <laughs> we can throw it. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure is how all of this just started. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a bunch of drunken sheep herders just like, hey, let's see who can throw <laughs> I, this the furthest. I guarantee you that's a, just a, a drunken, like, oh, I bet you five bucks I could throw that further than you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, but you, you can't throw this. Well, what's that? I don't know. It's a <laughs> caber. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we, we, we shall call it a caber. And then at that point, it's like, well, fine, I threw it. Well, yeah, but I threw it more accurately. And it's like, well, <laughs> damn it, I guess you did. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. Are you changing the rules as the game's going? <laughs> right. oh, no, no, no. Of course not. <laughs> but no, it's an absolute blast. Uh, there was and one And you time. get to wear a skirt. Right, right. I, I have a kilt in my bag for when I was you running wore, over there I think to help you wore them it out. the unicorn. Yep. Yeah, you wore a strong unicorn. That was the first time I worked with you. I was like, hey, this guy knows how to party. Oh, He's yeah. rocking a kilt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I oh. have standards. I think there's something to be said about someone who can rock a kilt. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can do it. And I think if you can rock a kilt, then you are, you know, in small company. So, so the closest I've ever come to rocking a kilt is I did a uh, breast cancer fundraiser when they, you know, was a barbell for boobs. Yep. Yeah. Where you do grace. Mm -hmm. And yep. the guys will wear skirts. And I found a tennis skirt that fit me. Oh, and a tennis skirt. That's I, awesome. Yeah, it was pleated and everything. Um, and I was wearing, uh, what you call it, silkies underneath it. You know, the yep. Ranger panties, the little right. bitty shorts. And it's it's so very, like, liberating. <laughs> Like, cause like, you know, your, your, your pelvic mobility, your crotch mobility just like increases tenfold. He was trying to be nice, yeah. pelvic mobility. And then he just said, you know what? It's crotch mobility. Yeah, but it then, but pretty then, much boils down to, I can air out my crotch yeah. and do this. But and then it's the only great. problem I had is like, uh, I was not cognizant of the fact I was wearing a skirt. And so I would just be <laughs> sitting with like my knees in two different time zones, you know, talking to people, drinking beer. And I was like, oh, sorry. Sorry, my, sorry, my bad. Sorry. And your boss I, uh, was hanging out. There, there was one time that I think it was a year or two ago that I was on the, uh, the way to, uh, to the Arnold. And uh, we, I was wearing the kilt there and uh, wore it to work beforehand on my way to the Arnold. Mm -hmm. And I had one of my colleagues that came up to me and was like, all right, Sam, I have to ask, are you wearing anything underneath that? Are you wearing any drawers? And here's the thing, like without missing me, because when you wear a kilt, you, you've had this conversation at <laughs> least once before. And so if, if not internally at a minimum, I, I came prepared for this conversation and I looked at him and was like, well, that's sexual harassment. He was like, no, no, I'm just curious. Hashtag like, would you? I, I looked at him and was like, would you ask Chelsea what she's wearing underneath her skirt? And just white face initially. It's like, that's what I thought. He that was is like, sexual. Oh, oh my God. Like, oh I my fucked God. up. So, I fucked up. The other uh, thing that always cracks me up about the hashtag Me Too movement is I grew up in a time <laughs> where hashtag is actually the pound sign. Yep. Yes. So to me, 
I mean, now I've gotten, I'm so socially media aware now that it's hashtag me too. But, uh-huh. but I think it's funny that like my parents, for example, would think it says pound, pound me, too. me too. you know. And I'm like, isn't that kind of counterintuitive to the movement? Well, the other <laughs> one was in uh, early coding days, uh, an exclamation point is referred to as a bang. A bang, yeah. Yeah. Bang me too. Yeah, they tried that. That was the original movement, but they, <laughs> they went away from that one. <laughs> and we're off the rails. We have been As we normally do. We right. Yeah, for my third visit, yeah, on the Bourbon Hunters, <laughs> that's normally how this goes. It is normally how it goes. I mean, I feel like if you are doing an alcohol review podcast and it doesn't go off the rails, Something's that kind wrong. of answers the question as to whether or not it's good. Yeah, that's true, fair. True. That's that fair. True. I mean, you should be enjoying yourself if it is a, uh, you know, they left the uh, <laughs> the rogue timer running over here. We're at two hours, three, 34 minutes at 30 Oh, seconds. and it'll still be running tomorrow morning. No, it won't. I'm turning it off. No. <laughs> <laughs> so much for that alright that's taken care of so I think let's wrap this up uh, we'll do another podcast tomorrow at the end talk about some more Arnold stuff um, but uh, we'll have some more things to review we're going to have some old overholt uh, bonded rye and uh, we will have a um, Maker's Mark private select uh, store pick from Papa Joe's. Papa nice. Joe's. And uh, for shits and giggles, I'll bring in the uh, uh, bourbon aged maple syrup. Mm. Oh, God. That, uh, Not, you should bring in some pancakes. Too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Will they be pancakes? pancakes? I, I can make no promises of pancakes, but I will bring in some bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> so here's my next logistical question Are you bringing in another bottle of the Middle West Spirits tomorrow? I have a second bottle. Do we leave this one here and drink it tomorrow, or do I take that home, put it in my collection, and then you bring the second one tomorrow? Let's get through this one. Okay. Fair enough. He's keeping it for himself is what I heard, Mo. Damn that's straight. What I heard no, too, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Bastard. He's friends with these guys, but yet he can't spare a square. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that you appreciate in the moment Yeah, I what it you. is that you have. Exactly. You. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. How about I'll trade you for that baker's? No. Okay, we'll see. Because I hear you my, just want the reason for that <laughs> is because I actually paid money for mine. I uh, and the second reason is supposedly you're working on getting us a you know uh, tour and a time an is money. I have West. also paid for mine. Yeah, I don't know. You were right behind me after you had already picked it up yesterday, <laughs> so it didn't put you that far out. And yeah. it's only a couple of blocks away from here. Yeah, it's good times. So. All right. I just love the confusion on people's faces when they want yeah, to walk they come through the our booth. Yeah. Right. And then they see, oh, there's fences here. Maybe we shouldn't walk through this. Yeah. But it, then there are those people who are just like, ah, hey, hey, look, Harold, there, there's, there's some stuff over here. There's some bicycles. Oh, what's that? Should we try this one I out? I it when Harold always has a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's sign off here. This is the end of... Uh, our episode, we will have this one posted here shortly. It won't be too far removed from the Arnold because it'll be done probably by Tuesday. So, I am Dude Pool. I'm joined in by... Samuel Shaw. And... Mo Dingo. All right, guys. Thank you for joining in to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. Thank you for joining in for another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review at any of the sites where you're listening to the podcast. Also, find us on Instagram and Facebook. 
And when you do, join in to the conversations, post your pics of your daily drinkers, and then let us know how you feel about any of the pours that you're having. 